again, everybody. This is John Norris at Trading Perspectives. As always, we have our very good friend, Sam Clement. Sam, say hello. How's it going, John? Sam, I'm doing okay. I'm doing very okay, thank you. It's a beautiful day outside. It's an awesome day. It's gorgeous, and it's my son's got a soccer game tonight. He's uh, had four or five soccer games this week, so I know he's actually getting ready to wind down, it being a Friday here. And while we're on the topic of soccer, a little smile comes across your face because Sam knows what our topic is here today. A couple of weeks ago, the women's uh, national team, who has been very successful, arguably, Sam, the dominant female soccer team in the world. Definitely top three. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're up there. They're without winning. a doubt. I mean, they've out of the seven or eight world female World Cups that they've had, the United States women's national team has won three of them and finished no less than third, I think, in any of them. Uh, and they filed a suit in the Northern District uh, Court of uh, California, if I'm not mistaken, uh, claiming income or pay disparity or inequality of pay uh, relative to what the members of the men's national team uh, what they get paid by the U.S. Soccer Federation. And their point is, I mean, I get it. I get it. The U.S. Uh, the US uh, men's national team has is the very definition of mediocrity. Matter of fact, Sam, I think we could take a look uh, at yeah, the Webster's I'd say Dictionary. That's kind of a strong word, even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could take a look in the Webster's Dictionary, and there would be a picture of the U.S. Uh, men's national team uh, who has never finished higher. Well, there was a third place finish back in 1930, but sort of in. I'd say modern times, never finished above eighth uh, and didn't even qualify for the 2018 World Cup. And since that 1930 third place finish has failed to qualify, I think, 11 or 12 times for the World Cup in general. Uh, never made it to the semifinals and routinely is a round of I mean 32 you have to round of 32 is just making it the two World Cups before that they were a round of 16 uh, participant and here they are getting paid Sam it's truly multiples more than what the women's team is yeah it's truly it's pretty hard to imagine a country as dominant in most things as the U.S. is not making a World Cup in any sport, any event, really. Well, that's a, that's a discussion for another time, why the men's team is not as, as successful as the that women's is. team. Uh, but the, the women on it, on this face do seem to have a point. I mean, yeah. just from the outside looking in and kind of taking a look at the results on the field and given the fact that a striker is a striker, a midfielder is a midfielder, a defender is a defender, and a keeper is a keeper, it doesn't matter whether or not you're playing Little League or college or for the, the national team, it's all the same position, so the results on the field should seem to kind of dictate how much you get paid. Sounds good to me. It sounds good. It sounds certainly fair, and at least the women seem to think so, until you start peeling back the layers of that economic onion, as it were, Sam. And that's part of the problem. Uh, you see, for whatever reason, good, bad, or indifferent, um, advertisers and people simply pay more to watch the men's team, in aggregate and on average, uh, particularly those people from FIFA which is the international governing body of right. uh, global football or soccer, and take a load of this, guys. For making the round of 16 in 2014 and again in 2010, the U.S. men's national team took home $9 million from FIFA just for getting in the round of 16. It's not bad. That's not a bad take. The women, our women in 2015, for winning the female World Cup, took home $2 million. It's a pretty big disparity for top 16 That's versus winning. That's a huge disparity. And the women do have a point. In 2018, they certainly did bring home more money for you for the United States Soccer Federation than the men. And for no other reason than they played significantly more matches while they were qualifying for the 2019 World Cup. 
Uh, and the men, since the men weren't in the World Cup, played very few friendlies and certainly didn't pay any, play any major tournaments last year. But the women certainly do seem to have a point. However, it's when you when you peel back the layers of those economic onion, you kind of have to start asking a question. And when you take a look at the Form 990 and take a look at the financial statements for the United States Soccer Federation, which I have, I keep on coming back to the same point. Why in the world would the Soccer Federation pay women less money for better results all other things being equal, assuming that women made the same amount of money for the United States Soccer Federation than the men did. Why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense. No, doesn't. And it doesn't make any sense in business either. Um, and there, there kind of lies the problem. We've all heard that women make, what, 77 cents on yeah, the dollar? Yeah, 77, that's the number thrown around. And that's just taking sort of median wages for women and compare them and juxtaposing them sure. against median ma- wages for men. And on its face, it looks all very scandalous, I think. I mean, truthfully. Uh, so I, but I, I sit there and go, gee whiz, what's going on with this? And then you start le- peeling back some of the layers of the onion. And Sam and I were talking about it. <sighs> you know, if I, if, if a woman gets paid seventy-seven cents on the dollar for the same level of output as a man, why would businesses hire men? You wouldn't. I wouldn't. And, that, and that's that, that, there. Therein lies the the best question I can ask. If there truly is wage disparity in the country, and I mean, there, there probably is in, in some form, some places, and particularly in the past. But why would businesses hire any men if they can get the same level of productivity for twenty five percent less by simply by hiring women? Yeah. Sam, I mean, I, I, I mean. I, I would. I would hire more women. I with, mean, without a doubt. And then also, Sam, you know, I'm a much older man than you are. You're not going to argue with me on that, I don't think, are you? A couple years. Probably about a couple <laughs> years. I have, I have been in the business world for quite a, quite a while, and I think most people who have been in the business world would agree with me on this. I have never seen two people in any one individual office who do the exact same job at the same level of output. Period. End of discussion. Yeah. I've never seen it. Uh, that doesn't mean that the, there aren't in some offices where this happens or a fast food restaurant or a retail establishment, something along those lines. But in my professional career, I have never seen two people do the exact same work, exact same job with the exact same level of output. Yeah. Never seen it. And the goal is for people to be paid at their output level. You know, you're yes. not going to, you're not going to, I mean, this is, we've talked about minimum wage before, how having a high minimum wage kind of messes with some smaller companies and mm-hmm. those low earners because you're now forced to pay people more than their output is. Well, you're absolutely right. So, I mean, why would any business do that? They wouldn't. I uh, mean, the max you can pay a group of people, I guess, is probably the revenue, what you bring in. That's the no matter <laughs> what certainly be no matter max, what yeah. you can't pay those people yeah. any more than that. So unless you work for a dot com back in the nineteen nineties, and that's a different story altogether. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Sam, you're absolutely right. Um, you can't pay you can't pay people more than what the value at what their value add to the corporation is. Right. Period. End of discussion. If, and if it makes no sense for a corporation employer to pay someone more than what the value of their output it's is. It's not sustainable. You can't okay. And so, and so that's where perhaps even with the best of intentions, even if, even if there is a true pay gap, I mean, all other things being equal and holding constants and what have you, if there is a pay gap, and I'm not going to say there is or isn't, truthfully, if there is a pay gap, what we'd likely see happen, Sam, is not necessarily that women's wages get raised to men's wages over time. What we more than likely see is men's wages 
coming down to meet women's. Yeah. That is the only way the businesses would do That's the only way it could work. Or they meet halfway in the middle. Sure. Obviously, inflation adjusted yeah. and all that. Well, but it's, I mean, the thing about it is, Sam, Sam you know this, businesses are, are in the business of making money. Yeah. And so there's not just this infinite pool of money from which to pay all people all this money or pay people money for, I mean, pay them salaries and wages and benefits far in excess of their value, yeah. value add. There's not this never ending pool for men. Yeah. I mean, there, there just isn't. I've been, I've been doing this a while. So if we have to pay half of our workforce more, money has to come from somewhere. Sure. Businesses aren't going to sit around and say, oh, gee whiz, guess what? You know, 50% of our workforce now has to pay 20, uh, 25% more. That's an additional 12.5% of our employee-related costs. Okay, we're just going to, that's just going to eat into profit. Yeah, that's a 12.5% cut straight from the revenue. So what happens there? Other things get cut. Namely, what will get cut over time is either outright positions yeah. or men's wages. What do you think it'd be? <laughs> I think it'd probably be a combination yeah. of the two of them. So it's, uh, but it's not necessarily going to be this huge windfall for for women. That's, that, I guess, that's what my that's what my point is. And I'm not trying to be mean spirited. I understand that our comments here today would probably make some people very angry. But economics is very black and white. Oftentimes, it's how much money is coming in, and how much is money is going out, how productive is your workforce, and how much are you willing to pay them. Yeah. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I know in our previous conversation we were talking about bringing it a little bit back to the soccer teams, to mm-hmm. per, the total percentage of the revenue given out, which I think is a better yeah. measurement of how fair the pay is. I mean, maybe you could look at, hey, yeah. the fans aren't watching the women. Yeah, maybe that's an issue. Well, I mean, I showed, I showed you that data. Yeah. So, Which was in common sense a couple of weeks yeah. ago. So what was it, like 80-something percent? Well, that's what happened. For the 2015 World Cup, you know, the women received $2 million from FIFA for winning the thing. And the uh, USSF, United States Soccer Federation, yeah. paid out $1.725 million in bonuses to team to the team, players, coaches, Managers, what have you. So, what is that? 1.725 divided by 2 million is yeah. what, 85, 86%? Yeah. Something along those lines. I don't have my calculator with me. You kind of threw me a curveball there. I'm going back from memory. It's around 85. <laughs> Conversely, in 2014, the last time that the men's team made a World Cup, it got paid $9 million. And it paid out, I think, $5,375,000 in bonuses. Yeah, sounds about right. So that number divided by nine turned out to be 56 57%. So the amount of money that the USSF paid out to the men's team was actually less as a percentage of what it received from FIFA than what the women received. However, that's on a relative basis. Clearly, the absolute dollars are much different. Yeah. And that's what the focus here is on the absolute dollars. And it does seem on its face and kind of taking a look on the outside, it doesn't seem fair. It's again, when you peel back the layers of that economic onion, how the money's being sliced, sliced and diced and what have you. So ultimately, I would say, Sam, the only true way for the United States Soccer Federation to get out of this morass might be to just have two completely separate books. It's a good idea. Two completely separate books, or just have everyone get paid the same base salary, period, end of discussion, understanding that it's going to be 75% of whatever they bring home. 
from FIFA for World Cup activities or friendly matches or whatnot, 50,000, 100,000, whatever it is from what the, your base pay is, but you get to call, you get to keep, the men's team gets to keep 60% of whatever they bring in from friendlies, 60% of whatever they, something along those lines. More of an so, eat what you kill type thing. Eat what you kill type deal. And that way no one can complain whatsoever. I think that might, I think that might work. Yeah. I think part of this problem goes back to the smaller revenue of, mm -hmm. you know, why aren't more people watching this team that's clearly way better winning World Cups, doing all that, compared to the guys' team that's losing in the field of 16 or sometimes not even making the World Cup? Well, I say, I'm going to tell you, in the United States, um, Title IX and, and other things, um, we treat our female athletes uh, with far greater respect than the majority of the remainder of the world. As difficult as that might seem to a lot of people, you take a look at the um, status or of you know female athletics in places like the Middle East and sure. many many sections of Africa, it's just not there. It's just not there. Uh, so and you know this when you watch certain World Cup matches or what have you, the round of thirty two or the play in games between the United States, which is clearly one of the best teams, and say someone like a Trinidad and Tobago or something like that, it's a whitewash. It's not a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. The American team is just that much better than everyone else. Whereas when you take a look at, you know, just some CONCACAF, <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, when you take a look at some of the regional play from the United States men's team, even against, again, that same Trinidad and Tobago team, yeah, it's a far more competitive match. Sure. Because the level, level of play, not necessarily at the, at the U.S. level, but the level of play at the lesser yeah. opponents is that much Higher yeah. than what than what it is for the women. The opponents team. are way better, and the men's U.S. team may yes. be a little worse. That's right. So it makes for four more competitive matches. Yeah. And I think that's a I think that's a huge chunk of it. So what do, what do you think? I mean, you're a younger guy. You're in a different generation. What does your generation feel about all this? You know, it's kind of all over the place. I think, but I think it's hard to argue. I think in some places there might be some sort of wage gap. Mm -hmm. But it's it's so hard to quantify what that actually yep. is because there's so many variables to mm -hmm. go into what a person's output is, whether it's how many hours they're going to work, even if it's the same job, uh, whether they're willing to relocate to a location where they can do that same job and get paid more, whether they're, you know, there's just so many, so many variables that it's impossible to, you know, account for all of those to really identify what the wage gap is. I mean... I've seen some that moving down to six percent, which you know sounds a little more reasonable. But even then, I mean, there's got to be other things that go into wage wage differences that are just hard to quantify. Well, one of the things, one of the arguments that I've heard uh, from the female point of view, which makes a ton of sense, uh, and companies need to do a better job of this, and their female workforce needs to make sure that this doesn't happen, is that. What happen, What might happen, and this is a valid argument if this does happen, and I'm sure it does. It, it doesn't happen here, but I, I, I know, at least not with people that you know work for me or anyone yeah. that I'm aware of. Um, oftentimes what will happen is someone gets a bonus one year. The next year they go on maternity leave, so they get a pro rata portion of that bonus. Yeah. And the year after they come back, they're working full time again. But that year's bonus is based off of the previous years, yeah. which is a pro rata portion because I only work a portion of the year. Catch my drop. Yeah. So and this is what happens in HR. You kind of base your, the bonuses based on what got paid the previous year, unless there's a bump up in the HR scale. So that's completely unfair. Yeah. And so 
Um, so yeah, I don't think either of us is denying that there yeah. is some sort of wage gap. No, um, it's just understanding what it actually is a little better, and mm-hmm. not this. I mean, seventy-seven cents on the dollar to me is it's too big it's not accurate i mean when you look at just medium wage versus medium wage well and you and i both said it. if that is truly the case if women are getting paid 77 cents on the dollar for the same job same level of value add same level of output for a corporation we would not be hiring men yeah i wouldn't be here you wouldn't be here yeah There'd be no reason to have, have us be here. You can do the same exact thing for <laughs> 77% of the cost. Yeah, without a doubt. And so so that's that right there, understanding that businesses are in the business to make money, it doesn't make any sense in that regard. However, there are undoubtedly instances on more of a one-off type basis as opposed to just complete gender discrimination sure. across the board. Um, there are certainly going to be one-off one-off basis where a year-end incentive or something like that gets skewed prior to due to previous behavior or something like that, right. which the individual needs to be able to take up with the with the HR department. And if they can't if they can't do that, then by all means they should get some legal advice. I'm with I'm, you. I'm not I'm not going to debate that. So Sam, I guess what I'm trying to say, and I think you would probably argue the same thing with this episode of Trading Perspectives. I think the message isn't necessarily that there isn't a differential or difference between what women get paid and what men get paid. However, when you just take a look at the headline numbers without doing some of the math, it would suggest something that may or may not be there. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there isn't anything there. I'm just saying there's a lot more to this discrepancy than meets the sure. eye. I mean, we, we we're both saying that there most likely is a wage gap. Mm-hmm. We're just saying we don't know all the factors that go into it. Um, I mean, we have some guesses for a few of them, but yeah. So, but this is going to be okay, the reason. The reason why, obviously, we want to bring this up is because we are going to hear a lot more about this as American public, particularly leading up to the 2020 elections. Yeah. It's going to be a major topic in 2020. So, just be prepared for that, and just go into it. You know. The, regardless of where you stand on the issue, just go in there understanding that sometimes you have to listen, sometimes you have to do a little extra math, sometimes you have to peel back the layers of the onion uh, on topics like this, as with just about anything else in life. It's kind of been an overall theme of a lot of the topics we've talked about. Is there's always a little more. <laughs> there's always a little bit more than meets the eye. So hopefully someone will be able to do all the math and come down and maybe quantify it, but I don't think we'll be able to ever get there. However, at the same time, it's it's a worthy worthy topic for discussion. Sure. And people just have to be accept whatever the final outcome is. And with that, Sam. I got to tell folks, thanks for listening. We love to hear from our listeners. So if you have any questions or comments, please let us know. You can always send us an email to trainperspectives at oakworthcapital.com, or you can leave us a review on the podcast outlet of your choice. If you're interested in hearing more or reading more of what we have to say, you can check out our blog, Common Sense at oakworthcapital.com, underneath the Thought Leadership tab. As always, if you like what you heard today, be sure to like us, share us on social media and on LinkedIn. If you didn't like us, I'll do the same thing as well and talk about the, the what you really didn't like. The horrible all. episode. <laughs> so, sad. so with that, Sam, you have anything else for That's today? That's all I got. All right. Me too. Y'all take care.